Welcome to Primal Armor, a podcast centered on helping each and every listener strive for a healthier tomorrow. I'm your host, Jeff Kimple, and I'll be covering every aspect within the field of health, helping you build that strong foundation for improving your physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and more. It's time to take your personal wellness into your own hands, and Primal Armor is going to help you reach those goals. I just want to thank you for taking the time today to tune in and listen to today's topic. Enjoy. This is episode 13 of the podcast, and today we're changing things up a little bit from our normal episodes. I brought on special guest, Caden Clipping, and we're going to do more of a question and answer podcast so you can get to know another professional's view of the health industry. Start off. All right. First off, man, thanks. I, I, again, I want to appreciate you for, uh, for having me on. Uh, my name is Caden Clipping. I am 23 years old. I currently live in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, specifically Bloomingdale, Illinois is, is where I live. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, there's a ton of suburbs in Chicago, right? So like when I, especially when I go back home, cause like Jeff, you and I are kind of from the same area, like the boonies, right? Rural, nothing. Like when I, when I go home and like, I tell right. people where, where I'm living, they're like, oh, where are you living? I say Bloomingdale. They're like, oh, where's that? I'm like, I oh, spike Glendale Heights. And they're like, oh, I've never heard of that. And I'm like, I'm 10 miles south of the Woodfield Mall. So like everybody like knows where the Woodfield Mall is in Schaumburg. So I'm about like 10 miles south from there. Um, I've been living out here for, actually, it's been a little over a year now. I moved out here last January. Um, I moved out here to take a, a personal training job in like a, a bigger corporate gym infrastructure that's actually pretty big out here in the, in the Chicago suburbs area. Uh, so I moved out, out here to be doing this full-time Previously to that, I was working at a YMCA in Freeport, Illinois, just part-time, little small, um, one-on-one PT job on the side. So I have been, I have about two and a quarter years, almost two and a half years or so of one-on-one personal training um, experience. And then with that, I particularly work with, my, my main niche within training one-on-one with with training and nutrition is specifically for physique athletes Uh, so that would be bodybuilders both male and female and all the different divisions Um, and then whether that's the competitive competitive level or or whether that's just kind of at the recreational level Uh, so that's kind of like my niche within the within the fitness industry so I have been doing that kind of as like a side thing like an online coaching thing for probably six months or so now uh, that's that's what I do myself. Is I'm a I'm a bodybuilder and I'm looking to compete and be doing my first competition next year. So that's that's kind of where like my head is is at at 24 seven. Is I'm always thinking about like you know competitive bodybuilding and all of that kind of stuff. So um, obviously I have the the health, nutrition, fitness industry as like the the base of my knowledge, and then like the specific community or niche that I focus in within that is the is the side of physique. Cool. What, um, what got you into fitness? So th- like, I remember you. We were always in sports yeah. and stuff growing up. But just like, what got you? Just yeah. So that's actually uh, a really good question. I always joke. I, I talk with a lot of my friends uh, from high school, and especially like you know all the guys that I was really close with, like my my senior year of high school, and kind of like my first couple of years of 
of college, um, if you would have told me or told them that in five years that I would be doing this, they, they literally would, would think that you're on drugs or something like, um, when I, uh, growing up, I always played sports. So, uh, starting, well, literally as early as I could start T-ball. So what is that? Like three, four years old. I started playing baseball. I played baseball all the way up through eighth grade. Uh, around eighth grade, I really started to kind of, this is hard for me to explain because I, I still love the game of baseball so much. And at the time I, I did love baseball. I would say, you know, out of all the sports, baseball is my favorite. Uh, but I didn't love playing it anymore. I just kind of loved watching the game and taking it in more so than, than playing it on the field. I know that's hard for some people right. to understand, but uh, it was also around that time where uh, around sixth grade, I started playing football. And it was around that time, obviously eighth grade, I was going into high school and I knew that the commitment to be like on a, on a high school football team was significantly more than anything that I had ever done in any sport up until that point. And I had also kind of decided that at that point I loved football and I kind of wanted to just not have to focus on baseball half the year and football the other half, just kind of focus completely on, on football. So Around my freshman year, I started playing football, and that's also the time where I started getting into uh, weight training. We had weight training in, like, PE and middle school, uh, but it wasn't until, like, uh, summer lifting for my freshman year of football that uh, fitness got really, uh, like, it was a very integral part of the of the routine, you know, summer lifting, and they were very strict about it, and it was, you know, kind of drilled in your head very early that if you don't commit time to this, you're probably not going to see a lot of time on the field, and the time that you do see on the field, you're going to be physically outmatched, and it's it's not going to be an enjoyable time. Um, so I kind of went through, um, you know, all of the, the off-season and in-season strength and conditioning programs that we had in uh, for football in high school, but to be 100% honest with you, I never really... I never really loved the weightlifting part. Actually, the, the crazy thing about it is I actually kind of dreaded the, the weightlifting part. Like, I really, I was really not into it that much at all. Um, and then right around my senior year, I, I kind of had this really weird phase where I got, I got very, I got very focused on the, the strength and conditioning side of it. Um, I think honestly, what I think happened is I just realized like, look, this is more than likely going to be my last year playing football. Um, I'm five foot nine and at the time was like 220 pounds and not a good 220 pounds where I was like a athletic 220. It was, I was an offensive and defensive lineman and I I knew like realistically, I wasn't going to play ball at a different level. Um, and so I kind of just knew that I needed to focus everything on the strength and conditioning side to get better for football. And I got really into that for, for a little bit, but then again, like I fell out of it. It was, it was a phase that I went through for a short period of time, but then I fell out of it. Um, and again, I apologize that I'm, I'm, this is kind of a long winded explanation. I'm trying to make things as fast as possible. Um, so like right around, uh, where was I? So I kind of went through that phase football ended and then as soon as football ended man literally I was like I am done working out like I am so done with this shit like up until this point I was only working out because I felt that I had to in order to play football Uh, and then I completely just like stopped working out at all obviously football ended and I didn't play any other sports so like the second semester of my senior year up until 
I would say I went through my first full year of, of community college. So I would say about two years, about a year and a half long phase. Like literally all I did was go to school and then I came home and I would play video games like all night, you know, like I just, I didn't do anything uh, athletic at all. And then my, you know, freshman year of, of college, I was obviously not eating well on top of that. And so I, I gained a lot of weight very quickly. And I, I was always a bigger guy. Like I was always one of the bigger guys in my class. Like I remember in, in grade school, like going to pool parties and stuff with my friends and being embarrassed to take my shirt off, you know, cause I was, I was always the biggest one out of all of my friends. So I was, I was already yeah. not a fit athletic guy to begin with. Uh, and then obviously this happened on top of that and everything just kind of compounded and things got out of control pretty fast. Uh, I, the heaviest that I ever, I never used to weigh myself, but I, there was one day where I just kind of randomly decided scale and see what I, heaviest that I ever remember seeing the scale was 258.0. And so that's like, I don't, when I say the heaviest that I've ever been was 258.0, but I, I don't know, I could have been 260, 265 at one point. I just never weighed myself to find out. Um, and so now that I had the number in my head, every time I kind of started to look in the mirror, I, as bad as this sounds, you know, you don't, I think your self-talk is, is so important. And that's one of the things that I've learned so much about this. And I, that's a different topic for later in the episode, but. Um, my self-talk was not good, man. I I really just kind of started to hate the person who I was and look at myself in the mirror. And obviously at, at 258, you don't feel good physically either. You know, you go on like a jog around campus or you, you're a little late to class and you walk, you walk a little faster and you're not out of breath, but you're not feeling good. So it was just kind of a, I I didn't have this one, like, you know, crazy moment where I had a, a, a realization that I needed to make a change just kind of a, a few little things compounding and then I think it was two I believe it was 2015 going into 2016 I set a new year's resolution to lose weight as you know 99 million other people on the planet do uh, but I actually kept it and I, right. I, I right. completely fell in love with the process of using exercise and, and nutrition to completely change my life and I went, I went from 258, uh, the lowest that I ever weighed myself was 152.0. So I lost, that would be, if you go, if you base off the 258 number, that was 106 pound weight loss. And I did that in like, you know, thir- 13 months, 14 months or so. Uh, so over a hundred. Um, would you say, so would you that, say that you did that question, And that is... That is, uh, that is something that we can get into later in, in the podcast. I think the overwhelming majority of my decisions were healthy decisions. I think, obviously, as I know more now about nutrition and the human body and anatomy and physiology, as I look back now, there are a lot of things that I did that I kind of cringe about, and we can, we can talk about those later. But, um, you know, as again, as, as corny and cliche as it sounds, I'm... I am thankful for those experiences because it, it really taught me a lot, not only about like the X's and O's of, of nutrition and everything, but it also kind of taught me a lot about myself, man, and like what I can go through and the amount of, 
what I am willing to do to reach a goal. Like if I have something in my head, then I'm going to fucking do it, you know, and it's, it's going to happen, period. And so that was a, absolutely, man. Like, it kind of showed the amount of without a doubt, the most like self empowering thing that I have ever done in my entire life. Um, but yeah, and then actually what happened from there is right around the time, around the time that I started losing 105 pounds or 106, whatever, I'm, I'm just going to say 100, but around the time where I lost all that weight, uh, I wasn't really exercising that much. I was only just like going for walks and stuff and maybe a jog every once in a while. But then I, I made a decision to start uh, going to the gym. I had one of my friends at the time actually asked, he's like, Hey, I'm looking to go to the gym, but i kind of want someone to go with me. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, like coincidentally enough, I'm also going through this weight loss journey right now. So this would probably be advantageous for me to go to the gym. Um, and so I, uh, I, I went to the gym with him and as, as most things go, you know, two people, do a fitness goal or a journey, whatever together. And inevitably one of them falls out. But, um, I was kind of worried that like, if he were to quit that, I would stop going. Uh, but it, it was around that time where I just absolutely. And I, I obviously can't emphasize this enough, just fell in love with being in the gym and being in the gym and training and, and exercising and living the lifestyle. It really just kind of like completely obsessed me. And it still does to this day. I know it's only been like three, four years, but it's that honeymoon phase has never really worn off for me. Like I'm just completely obsessed with, with training and nutrition and all of those kinds of things. But um, I know that's kind of the very long answer to your question, but, but pretty much what happened summed up in a nutshell is I was very unhealthy and I made, a, a, in my opinion, a pretty dramatic and drastic lifestyle change. And through that lifestyle change, I, you know, found the thing that I'm, I'm very passionate about. So I'm, I'm very thankful for, for having gone through all of that. So important that just like so many people go through what you went through, they get done with sports, yeah. they leave the gym and mm-hmm. they never go back. They, that's why they yeah. call it the freshman 15. They're not educated in anything like that. They go right to yeah. college, they start gaining all this weight and they never find their right. way back in the gym. Which that's awesome that you mm-hmm. found right back in your gym. In yeah, your gym, no, I, I 100% you agree. I, you know, I, I kind of have this talk with people that are in my field and stuff sometimes. And I think, obviously, I'm biased about this. And I'm sure you're biased as well because we work in the industry and we have such a passion for the industry. But I think there needs to be more of, I don't know if, if a class is the way to do it, some sort of education about other other than PE because I don't know about your high school but our PE teacher it seemed 90% of the time didn't really give a shit what we did we just you know had us playing baseball or basketball or something but I think there really needs to be like some serious education on the importance of exercise and the importance of following healthy nutritional habits because if you don't man like we see with the obesity rate and everything that we see in this in this country and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you see it too like you you see people that you used to go to high school with and as you know i'm not trying to like put people in blast but they've they've completely let themselves go and it's 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 kind of it's only been five years man like and i'm i'm just can't help but think like if if this is already happening after five years like i i hate to see what this will be like in another five god forbid another 10 15 like and that's that's just kind of 
you know, that's the same song that everybody in our country is singing right now, man. Like the obesity rate and everything in America is just absolutely ridiculous. But anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked on that. But yeah. Health class. It seemed like health class. I was actually just having this conversation with my girlfriend earlier. Uh, actually, no, probably a week or two ago, we, we had this conversation. But it seems like the health teacher was just like they they put teachers' names like in a hat and they pulled a teacher out and they're like, all right, you got the shit under the stick. You're teaching health. Cause like my, my health teacher in high school was yeah. my woodshop teacher who like was a, an awesome guy, but he didn't know the first thing about health. And it was very obvious. He's just reading shit out of a textbook, you know? So yeah, you're very right on that point. Books are all about like drugs and stuff like that. Like it's a very big, important part of health. But as kids are growing up and they need to learn how to like live yeah. on their own, cook on their own, handle nutrition, handle exercise, there needs to be a lot more into that. Yeah. Just don't do drugs. Yeah, right. There's there needs to be a sex. lot more to that. And then also, you know, this I don't want to get sidetracked and start another rant on this, but I think this ultimately comes down to parenting as well. And obviously you're seeing what we're you've mentioned what we're seeing with some of the younger twelve year old kids. Like if if the twelve year olds are out of shape and you know, obese, like there's apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know what I mean? Like the, the parents probably don't look too good either. And right. just, you know, that there's a form of parenting that that's, what's causing those, those problems. So obviously I'm not trying to call out anybody or put anybody on blast, but I mean, my parents, so we're, we're kind of from like a farm, like family. Um, so both my dad's mm -hmm. parents and my mom's parents, like yep. grew up farming um, and so like, and we still live like in the middle of nowhere and my uncle's, my uncle like farms our land. And so we got, we got the majority of our, all of our vegetables and stuff we got from him. Like I used to buy meat and eggs from him and all that kind of stuff. So it was just kind of, for whatever reason, it was ingrained in me, like whether my parents knew they were doing it or not, it was kind of ingrained in my head that like, you know, we eat whole single ingredient foods. We don't eat shit that comes out of a box and comes out of a bag. No, they still bought that kind of stuff, you know, for treats and snacks. And that's, you know, that's kind of how, like, I right. let myself go was I just started eating more of that stuff than the stuff that I should have been eating. But, um, you know, it was, for whatever reason, was just kind of ingrained in me really early that we always had, like, vegetables with every meal that my mom made. We always had protein, whether it was chicken, pork, steak, you know, whatever. We always had that. We always had like a, a starchy carbohydrate, usually potatoes and stuff. Like we always had that kind of stuff, you know, like that's just kind of how we were brought up. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes into like my, my next question that I was going to ask is like, what's your philosophy on health? Or like if I was going to ask you, how do you handle your fitness and nutrition versus like when you work with your clients, like what's the difference in that or like how, how do you go at telling them like this is right. what i do and this um, is how I do so it. i i kind of had, had talked about this with you earlier in my in our conversation before we had this but i um my how do i want to say this my toolbox for nutrition and my toolbox for training rather is very wide and extensive uh obviously to work one-on-one -on -one with what I call gen pop clients, which is gen stands for general population, which is the average soccer mom, you know, the average mechanic dad, whatever, what you do for them 
what I do for them versus what I do for a competitive powerlifter or a competitive bodybuilder who is three to four weeks out from their competition is very different. And it's kind of like the two extreme ends of the range here. Um, so as far as my philosophies on, on health, nutrition, fitness, and all of that stuff uh, for gen pop people, as ridiculous as this sounds, something is better than nothing. And what, what I think is very common with a lot of general population people is people know that they should be eating healthier and people know that they should be doing more and exercising more. But I think they just get overwhelmed with all the different things that they could possibly be doing. And they're trying to, if you've heard the phrase paralysis by analysis, this is what I'm talking about here. Like you're, you're just completely obsessing over all of the things that you should be doing and you're trying to focus on these uh, extremes, like such as the keto diet. Like I could rant about the keto diet all day and I've done the keto diet before. Um, but it's, it's one yeah. of those things where people, they tend to go to extremes instead of just doing something and being consistent with doing that something for a long period of time. I, I guarantee if every, anybody that's listening to this podcast right now that is trying to make a drastic lifestyle change, whether it's be healthier, lower your blood pressure, lose weight, blah, blah, blah. If I give you three things right now that you could do right now that are so unbelievably, ridiculously simple, but you would not believe how simple these things are and like how effective these things are if you just execute them for a long period of time. Number one, cut out all your liquid calories. So if you're drinking juice, soda, soda is a big one, um, milk, all of those kinds of things. If you're, if you're, and milk is, milk is, uh, in my opinion, the exception here, because I use milk with a lot of, of my athletes and I, I'll get into that when I talk about the athletes, but, um, cause milk is also very nutritious, but I'm, I'm more or less talking about like juice and sugars and soda and all those things. If you focus the majority of your meals, notice I did not say all of my, all of your meals, the majority of your meals around single ingredient foods, um, that obviously they, they have foods that have a shelf life are a good thing. That means that, you know, they're, they're organic, they're natural, they can go bad. If your food cannot go bad, or if for it to go bad, it is three years from now, you should probably not be eating it. And then all you have to do for your exercise, for most people, this is more than likely suffice. When you get home from work, just go for a walk around your block. Or if you live in the country, just get up and go for a walk down the road and turn around and come back just add it if you look at the like your day as a timeline and you look at like a certain block of time like say you get home from work at five o'clock and you go to bed from 10 it, it's probably very likely that in that time block 5 p.m to 10 p.m you're going to be very sedentary not doing much just take one hour of that time block and just do something move get up go for a walk do calisthenics watch those stupid you know those videos or whatever of home workouts like i don't care what it is just do something and make very simple common sense nutritional changes and you will be amazed if you follow those things for a long period of time how much you know how much progress you can make there's so much talk about counting macros counting calories all of those kinds of things but those things while while they're important, and I think it's important for people like like me to know those things so I can understand, you know, at, at the base level why what I'm doing is working. 
Um, but for the majority of people that just want to lose 15 to 20 pounds, you don't have to know any of that stuff. Just make solid choices 75 to 85% of the time and do that for six months. And I promise you that at the end of those six months, you will be a completely different person than you were at the beginning of the six months. So you, you can kind of see with like with general population people there, um, my views on, on nutrition, I don't really have these like su- nutrition and, and fitness. I don't really have these super rigid guidelines, right? Like it's, it's a lot of the stuff kind of, yeah, it's just the basics and just do it for a long period basics. of time. And seriously, you would be so surprised with what you can do in that period of time. Now on the complete opposite side of that spectrum, when I'm working with my athletes, uh, specifically like competitive power lifters or competitive bodybuilders, at the end of the day, man, these guys are competing and some of them are competing for uh, large amounts of money. And so this is, they're doing something or sponsorships, you know, things like that. Like, like there's a lot on the line when you start to take your, your sport into, into competition. But um, my, my views on training and nutrition are pretty firm. And there aren't really a lot of things that, um, there are some things that I'm, I'm pretty flexible with. But the very, like, like how I said with gen pop people, I don't really have these rigid guidelines with my athletes, I do have rigid guidelines, and I'm somewhat flexible within those guidelines. But um, I, I am pretty rigid on those. And again, I don't, I don't really know the direction of, of the podcast that you particularly want to take it. I, I can talk about like the the athletes' diets and training and all of that kind of stuff until the cows come home, like for a long time. Um, but if you know, if the majority of the people that listen to this aren't really interested in that kind of thing, then then we can obviously just keep it focused on, on general population people. Cause I, I have extensive history with both, you know? I mean, that's kind of like why I wanted to bring you on this podcast is to get a, a okay, different sure. view of yeah. the health industry for everyone. Uh, I'm, I'm, this, I'm, I'm the same exact way with Gen Pop. I basically just try to tell everyone to mm-hmm. yeah. cut out the crap in your diet. If it's not mm-hmm. real food, then why are you even eating it? If it doesn't have to be like going to a gym and exercising like that if you just get moving doing anything whether it's gardening like parking farther away at the store walking the stairs at work like anything like that like you said it's just yeah absolutely a little bit is better than nothing yeah, yeah so sure if totally you want to get into all the other stuff that's fine with me it'll just give all yeah, the totally, man. Another uh, and as with with all of this kind of stuff because i know that you are uh if you know you are you're looking to get into competition and stuff too like it's obviously not bodybuilding but comp, you know competitive strength sport like if you have any questions about anything like right. please feel free to interrupt me because I kind of tend to go on like as, as you can probably tell by me answering the question about what got me into fitness it took me 10 minutes to answer that question I, I tend to kind of ramble a little bit so uh, I, I'm I'm no that's awesome right that yeah just shows I'm, you I'm, I'm trying to get better at, uh, at cutting myself off and not talking to home, I, I always joke like, um, and my, my dad is actually kind of this way too, whether he knows it or not. It's, it's funny as I was talking about how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. My dad and I are kind of like the people where you ask like, hey, how do you cook eggs? And it takes us like a half hour to explain like how to cook eggs. Cause we just, we tell you how to do it. And then we like, <laughs> it lead, you know, one thing we say leads to something else. And then we completely forgot where we were, but, um, 
So just to get started, my views on nutrition for uh, for my athletes, um, and and I work with competitive powerlifters, and I work with competitive uh, bodybuilders specifically. And I do for my bodybuilders, I do training if they want it. Some bodybuilders are are comfortable with doing their own training, or, or they get their training program from somewhere else. Um, and I also do their their nutrition program. And then for powerlifters, uh, just to be a hundred percent honest in terms of like periodization and everything with like a powerlifting program, I'm, there are plenty of people, especially actually in the area where I live, there are plenty of people who are way smarter than I am in that uh, in that range. My main my main thing with with the powerlifting side of things is nutrition and um, you know keeping people within certain weight classes and helping them get stronger within those weight classes and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, but for my, uh, for both of them, my, nu- my nutritional approaches are, are pretty similar actually. Um, so if you look at, I guess, a general overview of, of the diet, uh, at the base of the diet are, are two things that are extremely important. Number one is, is energy balance. Like where are we in terms of their caloric intake versus their caloric output? So this this is obviously what's going to determine whether that athlete is gaining weight, losing weight, or maintaining weight. And that is a constant, like that's obviously a constant battle. Uh, it becomes much, much, much more prominent in bodybuilders because bodybuilders very rarely are in a position where they're maintaining their body weight. They're either on the way up in an off-season setting trying to put on more muscle or they're in a, a deficit on the way down getting ready for a show. So it, it has to be more, you know, I like, I have to be more aware of the energy balance, obviously with, with both powerlifters and bodybuilders, but specifically with, with bodybuilders, I have to be aware of the, the energy balance. And then also is uh, the, the digestion. And so I actually, uh, I, obviously you've seen the video uh, for the people that are listening. I put a video up on my Instagram yesterday maybe the day before I actually don't remember what day it was but pretty much what I talked about was with this coronavirus thing going around uh, one of the best ways that you can defend yourself against that is to improve your digestion uh, because the majority of your immune system is located within your digestion and kind of the point that I'm trying to make with the athletes as well as with that video is that your stomach and your like the overall health of your GI tract, your gastrointestinal tract and your digestive system is not only very, very important for your nutrition, it's very, very important for the overall quality of your life and and how important that is. Um, And so I have a lot of like specific foods that I like to use with, with an athlete uh, but if an athlete eats that food and it causes them a digestive problem, that is no longer a viable food. Because let's let's say something like red meat. So I'm I'm of the opinion that red meat is without a doubt the best protein source available on the planet in terms of its its protein content, its amino acid profile, its micronutrient content, which is another topic for a different day. Is especially with nutrition and in bodybuilding, I think a lot of people are very focused on the macros of their diet and not so much also the micronutrients, the vitamin and mineral content of the food that they're eating. 
Uh, not only is that very important for health, it's extremely important for performance. You actually can kind of see that health and performance are two things that are correlative of each other. The healthier you are, it's more likely that you're going to uh, perform better. And so, um, excuse me, so, so the red meat topic, again, talking about getting sidetracked, the red meat topic, um, red meat, like I said, I believe that red meat is the most powerful protein source on the planet. But if I give red meat to an athlete and it bloats them or it gives them gas or it sits in their stomach like a brick, it doesn't matter how good red meat is. Red meat is not good for that individual. So the red meat needs to, to be removed. Because where you start to see problems with, um, right. where you start to see problems with like digestion is at the end of the day, it isn't necessarily how much food you're eating. It's how much of that food your body is absorbing and taking the nutrients from. And if you're, you're eating a food and it isn't digesting properly, you're not absorbing the nutrients from it properly. And so you're not getting the, as many benefits from it. So like I said, if, if red meat is such a powerful food, uh, you know, a super high, in my opinion, like I said, powerhouse of, of the protein sources, if you eat that and your body doesn't digest and absorb the nutrients from it properly, it doesn't matter how good of a protein source it is because your body isn't using it efficiently. And so your digestion is, is extremely important. And th those are kind of the two things that I base a diet around is are the calories where they need to be in order to achieve the goal at hand, whether that's gaining weight or losing weight. And then are the foods that they're eating digesting well and, uh, you know, keeping the GI tract healthy so that they can properly utilize those foods during training. And then pretty much up from there, it comes down to how do I take those calories and divvy up the macronutrients? Um, protein is a number that's really kind of like, it's a set number and it doesn't, it doesn't really tend to move much throughout the case uh, of the diet. Obviously with, with power lifters and bodybuilders and any kind of strength athlete in general that that protein number is going to be higher than what it would be for a general population uh, person because their muscles are doing more work. And so they need to be, they need to have more amino acids in the bloodstream to be able to recover from that work. Uh, but then with the remaining calories, again, this isn't, this isn't a, a one size fits all answer, but the main answer is that it ultimately comes down to the person. So I, with those remaining calories, those remaining calories have to get divvied up between carbohydrates and fats. And then, um, you know, with, within that, there's people that follow a low carbohydrate, carbohydrate diet while having moderate fats or people that follow a, a high carbohydrate diet with lower fats. Um, and there have been tons of research done on this where they've compared you know, two diets that were the exact same in calories, but they were just different ratios of carbohydrates to fats. And ultimately the results are the same. The weight loss is the exact same. The body fat gain or loss is the exact same. The muscle tissue gain or loss is the exact same. What it ultimately comes down to is what can the person adhere to? Um, obviously like adherence to a diet is, is probably the number one important thing because it doesn't matter. I could lay out the most beautifully, you know, scientific, scientifically perfect diet on the planet. But if the person doesn't follow the diet because it makes them feel bad, then it, it you know, it doesn't matter how good the diet is. Right. And so ultimately the, the ratio of carbohydrates to fats 
ultimately comes down to what can the client adhere to. And you, you tend to see like um, fat is a very satiating macronutrient. So it tends to make you feel full after you eat it. Think of eating like five egg whites versus eating five whole eggs. You're going to feel a lot more satiated and full on the whole eggs because there's added fat in each egg and it, it takes fat a lot longer to digest in your stomach. Um, so people who have issues with hunger, I, I generally tend to leave their carbohydrates on the lower side and keep their fats on the higher side. Also, by keeping their carbohydrates on the lower side, um, they don't get as many blood sugar spikes or insulin spikes throughout the day. So their energy seems to be more constant. Um, for P and you know, there are some people who they just they don't get hungry, uh, or if they do get hungry, it's not uh, you know it's not something that that seems to bother them. And for situations like that, I actually like to keep their fats on the lower side and keep their carbohydrates a lot higher, uh, mainly for the reasoning of carbohydrates' impact on gym performance. And uh, you know, carbohydrates convert into glycogen in the muscles, and then that glycogen is is utilized as glucose in the bloodstream in order to fuel your your weight training and when it comes to uh you know a prep whether it's whether it's a bodybuilding prep a powerlifting prep or olympic lifting prep there's there's no room for bad workouts in a prep and so you need to have as much fuel in your body that you can use to fuel those workouts as possible so for people like that i tend to keep the carbohydrates on the higher side for for performance reasons like that yeah, it just seems like it's easy to relate both of them because they have the same basics, the science of what's backing it up, of what people need and what people need to do. But you can just see how much more in-depth it gets as you start mm-hmm. making it like a, into a strength yeah, no, sport absolutely. performance. So, yeah, I, I can see like just how passionate you are about this and just how smart you are. Where, where did you learn um, all this? Did when I this so I went, to, I went to like a community college for my first two years and you know, that I didn't really know what I wanted to do while I was in school. Um, and so how, how do I want to put this? I didn't really know what I wanted to do like while I was in school. And, but I did know that I wanted to, I, I knew that I had like two career, like potential career paths. Number one would be to be a teacher. And then number two would be, um, to work in like the IT field or computer science because like at, at that point in my life, like I said, I was playing a lot of video games. Um, I was really into like electronic stuff. So I built my own computer and, uh, you know, I, you know, did all of that kind of stuff. I went to, um, well, you went to, you went to Polo, right? So I went to, I went to Whiteside my senior year of high school and I took a computer science. Yeah. I took a computer science class okay. for, for the people who are listening. Whiteside was like a vocational class where like your junior and senior year of high school you would go to to school for like your gen eds for the first half of the day and then the second half of the day you would go to this like trade school type of place and and you would learn a trade and and the trade that i learned was was computer science and so i had kind of had it in my head that i could have either be a teacher or i could do the the computer science thing um so when i enrolled at I went to Highland Community College, but when I when I enrolled at that school, I, I majored in in computer science. And then it was around that time where I was going to school for computer science that I went through my my weight loss journey. Um, that that weight loss journey like kind of took place during the second semester of uh, of my 
you know, college, my first year of college, and then into the, the first semester of the second year of college. Um, and so like, it was around that time, obviously I was, I was living this healthy lifestyle and just obsessed with training and nutrition. And I kind of realized like, man, I'm, I'm going to school for the wrong thing. So I, I switched my major to nutrition, um, switched my major to nutrition. And then I took, obviously finished out at, at Highland Career College. And then it was, it was around that time where I got my associate's degree of applied science that it was, you know, I had to make the decision, do I go on to school or do I start working? Uh, at that time, I was like really obviously uh, devoted and, and dedicated to, um, to getting, you know, working in the, in the training, personal training industry right away. Uh, it was not required for me to get my bachelor's degree. And I had kind of talked to a couple trainers about if they had recommend, recommended to get their bachelor's degree. And it was kind of like a 50-50 split. You know, I had 50 of them say that the education you learn from it is extremely important. And then I had, you know, the other 50% say that it, you know, you, you don't necessarily need it. And so I just, I just got started working right away. Um, so up until this point, I only have my associate's degree. I was, I was just talking with my parents last weekend. I haven't completely ruled this out yet. Um, I think one time, like, you know, maybe sometime in the future, um, I would like to go back to school and become a, a registered dietitian. Uh, so get my, my nutrition and dietetics degree uh, so I could work in either like a hospital setting or, or something like that. Like, I don't know, there, there's a couple things that I could do. Um, but uh, that, you know, I haven't decided if, if I'm going to do that yet. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm also the kind of person where like, you know, if um, if I have to go back to school at 30, like, you know, it doesn't, it isn't really going to bother me. My My mom actually went back to school when she was... I think she was, she, she graduated the same, she graduated the weekend before I graduated from high school. So she would have been, I don't know, she would have been in like her early to mid forties. And so like my mom went back to school in her forties and, uh, you know, I kind of have the opinion, like if she can do it, I can do it. So if, if I need to go back to school, then I can do so. But up until then, um, you know, that's, that's as far as my education background goes. And then, um, my my education comes from it comes from a couple things one as i mentioned i'm absolutely obsessed with with this and so every waking minute of every day i'm thinking about this i'm researching things on my phone i'm on instagram i'm on youtube i'm on you know like pubmed like reading studies and stuff like this is just it's an absolute obsession for me um and then also the things that i've learned is just you know, when I say experience, I only have like two years of experience and there's, you know, probably people that are listening to this that have, you know, I, I worked with a couple guys that had 30 years of personal training experience, but when you're, when you're working with right. people face to face, one-on-one, that can be the most powerful, like teacher out of, out of all. Like I would, I would rather take somebody who has their, like, if, like, this is my opinion. If I were looking for a trainer or a coach, I would rather pick the coach that has, he only has his high school education, but he has 30 years of one-on-one education versus someone that has their PhD and exercise science and, you know, masters in nutrition or whatever, uh, but they're fresh, they're fresh out of school. 
Like I, I would rather take the experience over the, the formal education uh, any day. And I, I think, I, I, I want to make this clear. I am not by any means ragging on formal education at all. Like it is, prob- it is you know the most important. It's, it's the most important way to learn things. And what I, what I found is usually the people that are the best in this industry are the people that have both. They have a lot of experience and they also have a lot of a formal education. Like those are the cream of the crop coaches. Um, and so. Those people that have, those people that have very, experience are just very personable people. And that's what you want to, that's what you want to work with. Cause they're going to be the ones who kind of sit down and get to know you and everything. You can have people who are very book smart, but they just don't know yeah. how to talk to a human being in any capacity whatsoever. So just having that paper behind their name yeah. doesn't no, mean that's, anything uh, if they can't talk to you. That's 100% true. It. And it's, I'm kind of glad that you brought that point up because this is something that like, that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing as a coach all the time. And if, if any of you guys are listening to this, if you want to try and become like, you know, better coaches themselves, Uh, This is one of the things that you could be focusing on is a lot of the time what's really important with with coaching is your relationships with the people that you're working with. And to an extent, obviously, like what it is that you are, you know, teaching them or coaching them through, like you need to have an education sense of why you're doing what you're doing and why it works and or why it isn't working and all those kinds of things but a lot of that kind of stuff is just knowing your client and just being able to communicate with them appropriately i'll I'll give you an example here so i have i have two like I'll, i'll use two clients that i work with i won't i won't say names one of them i know for a fact like if one of them is a is a bodybuilder and one of them is a power lifter and so they're they're uh you know, their situations are a little bit different, but let's, let's pretend for a second that they're both bodybuilders and, and, you know, they're doing the same thing. If one of them cheated on their diet and I said, what the fuck are you doing? You're cheating on your diet. Like you need to get your shit together and, you know, focus on the goal at hand. That one person would be like, you know what? You're right. Like I agree with you. And that would motivate them to do better. The other one, if I said, what the hell are you doing? You're cheating on your diet. He would say, fuck you. And he would stop working with me. And so I need to, I need to know the mentality of each one of those clients and how they react to certain types of criticism. Because if I use the wrong form of of, of criticism with them, you know, they're, they're not going to listen to what I'm saying and they're not going to buy into the program. Like I, um, I was reading, it was John Wooden's book. I can't remember the name of, of the book, but John Wooden was, uh, you know, the UCLA head basketball coach, you know, debated as one of, if not the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. And I was reading his book and, and some of the things that he said. And a lot of the things that he mentions in there have, have nothing to do with the X's and O's of basketball. It's just, are you a human being? Like, can you communicate with, with, clients and be personable and and all those kinds of things and the delivery of what you are of what you're trying to teach the athlete is just as important as the content that you're trying to teach the athlete you know what i mean Mm -hmm. exactly yeah so so there's so many people out in this field that you don't know what what you're getting into you don't know if you're going to get that person with their phd but they don't know how to talk to you whatsoever 
or you don't know if you're going to have that person that you're going to, they just graduated high school, got right in the field, and they've been there for 30 years. What's something about you that makes you different from everyone else of why they should go and like listen to you and like train with you? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's a good question. And like, like I was saying, uh, earlier, like I have, you know, two years of experience, like some people have no experience and, you know, they wish they had two years. Some people have 15 years of experience and me saying that I have two years of experience, like they start laughing, you know? Um, so I, right. you know, to be honest, like that is, that is something that you kind of struggle with, you know, like I, I'm kind of in as like with you are too, you know, we're, we're both young. And so this is like, we're, we're both like in the early stages of our coaching careers, you know? And so proving what we can do Mm -hmm. and all of those kinds of things, like it's, it's going to take time. Um, really what you, what you can do as, as a coach who's, um, you know, as, as early in their coaching career as, as we, as we are is to show, you know, like your client results, your, your education, uh, all those kinds of things. Yeah. So I think, I think the main thing that sets me apart and I don't, I, I don't want to be the one that, that like takes credit for this because obviously, um, the things that I have learned, I have, I've, I, the things that I know I have learned from other people, you know, above me who have learned from other people and so on and so forth. But the kind of the main things that I believe set me apart from everyone else is if you kind of look at my, um, it, I'm going to talk about in the, in the bodybuilding industry specifically, cause that's the majority of, of what I do. But, um, the majority of the things that I preach, so to say, like whether it's my nutritional approaches or my, my training, new approaches, uh, supplement approaches, like all those kinds of things, like they, they're kind of against the grain of, of what has been, you know, preached to the public for the past couple of years. Like if, if you look at training specifically, like when I first started, when I first started doing like bodybuilding specific training, like the, and this was only like three years ago, like this wasn't that long ago, three, four years ago, the majority of the, the education on training was just do as much volume as you can do, get as big of a pump in the muscle as you can do, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And now like my views on training are like actually almost the complete opposite. Like I, I recommend very low volume training. Um, now within the fact that the volume is low, the intensity is very high. And I think one of the things that if, if people take the time to watch the, the videos that I, that I put like on my Instagram, that's, that's kind of the one the one underlying message that I kind of want to get across with the things that I post on Instagram is train hard and train really fucking hard. Like, and you know, good things are going to happen for you. Like don't go in the gym and just wing it around and do, do a ton of, of sub maximal work. Like when, when it comes to the gym, in my opinion, it, it definitely is a, a quality over quantity type thing. I would rather go into the gym and do five sets that just absolutely take everything that I have to finish than do 40 sets of half-assed sub-maximal work. And um, why that's important, you know, is because like if you if you look at all of like the top, some of the top bodybuilders, the, the guys in the sport themselves, some of the top bodybuilding coaches, that's what that's what they recommend is 
is tons of volume and and all those kinds of things so when it comes to training like my my approach is the complete opposite and i think i think for a lot of people like i'll i'll have i have one guy that i think of in in particular he was he's always been a volume trainer where he's he's trained with a lot of volume and he's just done a ton of sets in the gym and um you know my i've been trying to persuade him for a while like man like this low volume training is going to be so much more advantageous to you and uh i don't i couldn't get him to buy in until i trained with him he asked if we could train together and we trained legs and i i said i'm going to lead through this workout and we're going to do a low volume leg workout session and we did we did a leg workout that was like six total sets like six total working sets and we were both absolutely crippled after it and i i think that's one of those things where like buying into i i don't want to say buying into my training programs but buying into training programs that are like mine uh it's one of those things that you have to experience it to know that even though the things that i'm that i preach and the people that i've learned from preach uh are against the grain they're very very effective and um for most people i think they're more enjoyable as well and then the same thing kind of with my nutrition like up until you know up until this point if you know any bodybuilders or you talk to any bodybuilders a stereotypical diet for bodybuilders is chicken and rice chicken and rice chicken and rice like breakfast yep. is egg whites and oatmeal and then like there may be one steak and potato meal and i've you know i actually put a video out on my youtube i don't know a couple months ago where i pretty much just talked about you know all of these foods like specifically protein sources whey protein powder chicken breast egg whites ground turkey breast like those are really if you look at nutrition as a whole and not just macronutrients and i kind of touched on this earlier if you look at nutrition as a whole and you look at like the vitamin and mineral content of your food as well as its macronutrient content uh those foods are really not good foods like in terms of like there are way better options is what i'm saying and so i've i've kind of been the guy where all the bodybuilders are talking about all they eat is chicken and rice chicken and rice chicken and rice chicken and rice and me and most of my clients we eat you know we eat tons of steak we eat tons of red meat we eat salmon we eat tons of whole eggs i don't i may have one client right now that uses egg whites and just the egg whites i think i think god created the egg to be the yolk and the white and i don't think that we should separate the yolk from the white unless we absolutely have to mm-hmm. um i have dairy in my in my diets and that is like a huge no no in bodybuilding for whatever like no one can have dairy like and i i don't i don't know why that is i think i think i take the approach of like um like a registered dietitian like i mentioned earlier about going back to school for registered dietitian like to for dietetics and stuff even though i don't have that that degree um when i look up like nutrition when i look up like things to learn about nutrition i want to learn it from people like that instead of you know bodybuilders that just preach eat drink your egg whites you know like eat your unseasoned bland boring ass chicken breast with you know potato it's i would rather learn from someone who has a, a very deep foundation of of nutrition uh over someone who has you know what they call bro science you know right it's 
you, you have to have a well-rounded diet if you want to have the best performance that you're going to be able to have. Because if you're just eating chicken and rice, chicken and rice, there's things that are in red meat. There's things that are in salmon. There's things that are in a lot of other foods yeah. that people just aren't yeah, getting. Yeah, even in... Even in dairy. Yeah, people and, just try and to those things, dairy. like... Yeah. Obviously, there are vitamins and, and minerals and stuff that are in those foods that aren't in the chicken breast and egg whites. And most people that are like probably, you know, hardcore bodybuilding bro diets will be like, oh, well, like, what does that mean? Like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, look, man, a body that in calcium does not operate as good as a body that isn't deficient in calcium. A body that is getting adequate magnesium and potassium through the diet performs way better and is way healthier than someone who doesn't have those things. Iron, like iron is huge. How many people do you know are anemic? And red meat is an unbelievable source of iron, and it's a very bioavailable source of iron. One red meat meal a day would would cure. I hate to use the word cure, but it would it would treat most cases of anemia. Like there's that much heme iron in in red meat, and people just throw those things to the side because they don't understand. Like I said, they're so focused on macros. They're so focused on calories, proteins, carbs, and fats that they don't understand foods that you select to fill those proteins carbs and fats is just as important as filling the proteins carbs and fats like that's unbelievably huge not only for your performance but for your health and that is important because and this is a taboo subject i I don't want to talk too long about it especially when you start to look at high level competition in strength sports whether that's olympic lifting power lifting uh bodybuilding anabolic steroid use is prevalent in the in these sports And those things are not healthy for your body. And so if you are taking a drug that you know has negative health consequences and you are not doing everything else that you can do in your lifestyle to mitigate those negative health consequences, I think you're asking for anything that comes your way. And that's kind of a harsh way to put things, but I'm very firm in in that statement. You're kind of asking for it. I think it's very reckless of you as, as an athlete or as a coach to take those things and administer them yourself or administer them to your clients and not make sure that everything else in their life is structured in a way to mitigate these negative side effects. And like I said, that's, um, you know, anabolic use. I'm not very, I'm not super educated in anabolic steroid use. And so I, I choose out of respect. I don't really want to talk too much about that if, if we don't have to. Um, but I think it's important that people understand like in high level competition of these sports, these things are very prevalent. And when those things start to get introduced, the importance of having a healthy lifestyle, uh, it amplifies tenfold because now you're taking something that has the potential to undo all of the good things that you're doing. So everything else that you're doing uh, needs to combat that in any way that it can. Going back to just having like that foundational base of like having a well-rounded diet, something that I find is pretty ironic is all these bodybuilders and stuff and Olympic lifters and even power lifters that are on anabolic steroids, they're, they're, they're saying that like, I'm not going to have dairy because I don't want to put that in my body. But then they're going and putting right. anabolic steroids in their body to where I think the big view on like, why did not have dairy in your diet is if you look at dairy now versus how it was 50, 60 years mm-hmm. ago, it's a lot more processed. So when people drink and consume dairy, it just doesn't, doesn't agree with their gut biome as well. And people just, 
a lot of people are lactose intolerant, or even if they're not, it's just not agreeing with them and they're getting that inflammation in their gut. They're not feeling good. They may look bloated. And in some of those aesthetic sports, that just isn't good, especially around competition time to have right. dairy in your diet if it's bloating you. So I think that's where a lot of that yeah. negative no, those, outlook Those is. things are important. And then, um, like, like I said, and, uh, you know, kind of to, cause, cause that's, you know, that's one of the main arguments that you get when, um, you know, I tell people, like I tell people that my clients have dairy in their, in their products and a lot of, or in their diets and a lot of bodybuilders kind of freak out when they hear that. Um, but kind of, like I said, with my communication with the client, like if I tell a client drink eight, eight ounces of milk or something with a meal and they drink it and they say two hours later, you know, they're bloated and they're getting all of those like lactose things like I'm going to remove the milk from their diet but I'm going to make up the calcium like okay so the, so I'll give I'll give an example here my own diet my final meal of the day I, I this is another topic for a different day but I for my clients and for myself I follow a meal a meal plan a very rigid meal plan my meal one is the same every day meal two is the same every day never my, my food my diet never changes I eat the same things every day at the same time uh, and I think that's something that is really important, like, especially in bodybuilding, if you want to be good, you need to be able to be able to follow a diet. But in my final meal, I have Greek yogurt before I go to bed. And the reason I have Greek yogurt, people are going to be like, oh, you know, Greek yogurt is a casein protein, uh, which means it digests slower, which means taking it before bed makes sense because as you're sleeping, you know, there's going to be amino acids flowing throughout your body. That may be true. The main reason why I have Greek yogurt in my diet is because... I, when I write diets for people, I use a, a special diet program where like I put the foods in and it not only tells me like the, the macros and everything, it also tells me like the nutrient content of, you know, how much magnesium are they getting through these foods, potassium, calcium, blah, 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 all those kinds of things. And I have it set up to where, um, those, those values are the, the, the RDA. So like the RDA, the recommended daily intake of calcium is a thousand milligrams. So I made my diet and I looked and I was deficient in calcium. So I have to put the calcium source like in the food or I, I have to put a, a calcium source in the diet so that I can get that calcium. And I chose Greek yogurt and Greek yogurt digests fine with me. It doesn't digest fine for other people. But like I... Uh, calcium has a, a reputation for being in dairy and dairy only. There are plenty of other foods that are not dairy that are very high in calcium. Spinach is one of those. Uh, if you go on my Instagram, I made a pretty in-depth post about spinach. And if you go on my Instagram, you go to the pictures, it's the picture of Popeye because Popeye eats spinach and gets jacked. And pretty much the, the write-up that I made was Popeye was onto something with spinach. Like spinach is a very nutritious and, and powerful food for you. Uh, but I have some people, they can't do any sort of milk. They can't do any sort of Greek yogurt. They can't do any sort of regular yogurt. They can't do any sort of cheese. So they can't get any dairy sources, but they still hit their calcium intake because they have a cup of spinach five times a day, you know? So um, it, it more or less comes down to the micronutrient content. So, and then um, I'm, I'll make a point on the, on the steroid thing where you talked about steroids and, and calcium and, and or the, the dairy. You said people won't put dairy in their body, but they'll put the steroids in their body. Um, a, a good way to think about that is, and this is, this is you know, I want to make this clear. I am not condoning anabolic steroid use at all. 
Um, but what I'm saying is a more appropriate way to think about that would be to think, okay, if I'm going to take this anabolic steroid, what is one of the side effects of this anabolic steroid? And one of the side effects for um, anabolic steroids is high blood pressure. And if you take a look at um, your blood pressure, like one of the most you know, important things that you can do to keep your blood pressure under control is to make sure you're getting enough potassium in your diet. So then I would think, am I getting enough potassium in my diet to where it would mitigate the, the side effect of high blood pressure from these steroids? And if the answer is no, and you choose to not put a food in that's high in potassium that would help mitigate that, I think that's extremely negligent of you. Extremely. Where do you see yourself in the future in this field? And just where, where do you see that's the a really good question. In the future? Uh, where do I see myself in the future? So my my ultimate goal with this is I want to uh, I want to have my own uh, how do I want to say it? My own like nutritional consulting business uh, that I run online. Uh, and so pretty much would that be what I I would pretty much just be an online coach that works uh, from home. Uh, sets my own schedule, all those kinds of things. And I work with, you know, I work with 70, 80, however many clients or so online. Um, and I pretty much do what I'm doing now with my, you know, I five or six clients right now, but with 70 people so that I can, I can, you know, solely live off of the thing that I love because I, I obviously love the one-on-one personal training and working with people one-on-one, but I love the one-on-one coaching of competitive athletes more. And if I could, you know, obviously my clientele isn't big enough at the moment to warrant doing it full-time, but that is the ultimate goal. As far as where I see the field going, I'll talk about the general health and fitness industry as a whole, and then I'll talk about my specific little uh, little niche. I think the health and fitness industry, um, at least from what I remember in the past couple of years, has like it's grown quite a bit in the past couple of years. Um, I remember when when I was in high school, I did CrossFit, and I remember when like CrossFit wasn't on TV, and now it's on TV, and it's on not only is it on TV, it's on ESPN. And it's on Netflix and, you know, the sport is, is exploding. And, and I think we're starting to see that with all of, all of the sports. And I think as long as social media keeps growing how it's growing, uh, our, our sport or our field, the health and fitness industry, is only going to continue to grow with that. You know, the more eyes that we get on that, we hope the more people that we can inspire in order to, to make changes themselves – um, and then as, as far as like bodybuilding specifically, bodybuilding is, is going to be growing. Uh, one of the interesting things about, um, bodybuilding is the rock Dane, Dwayne Johnson is, he's hosting a bodybuilding show this year called Athleticon and the winner of Athleticon gets $9 million and an Under Armour sponsorship. And so that is like right wow. now, like the the Super Bowl of our sport, so to say, like the world championship of our sport is the Mr. Right. Olympia competition, which is held in Las Vegas every year. But um, I think with, as the sport grows, there's going to be more and more 
like opportunities like the rock and and uh and that kind of stuff so like you know the mr olympia you win the mr olympia i think the first place mr olympia is like five hundred thousand dollars which is obviously a shitload of money on its own like that that's a really good price purse but you start to get you start to get like the rock right. and his show is nine million dollars and a sponsorship with under armor which is probably going to be you know a couple hundred thousand dollar a year salary if you're working with with under armor like i think the sport is uh is only growing yeah absolutely and then within um within the sport uh, obviously there are multiple divisions within the sport um one of the divisions in bodybuilding is called classic physique and so classic physique is growing uh huge like it's it's growing so fast right now um and i think that that is only good for the bodybuilding industry as a whole um let's let's face it here like the guys that are in the open bodybuilding, the guys that wear the, the super tight trunks, and they're they're the biggest guys on the planet. Like these guys are like 270 pounds of of pure muscle. Like these aren't people that would be sponsored by like Nike or Under Armour. You know, like these these are people that like right. this is a very cult like sport. You know, it, it's very not it's not mainstream at all. But the classic the look of the classic physique guys is a lot more mainstream. The, the guys the guys are still big and they're jacked but they're not like you know massive they don't look like belgian blues they're not ridiculously huge and those are the type of guys their social media following is a lot higher and because of the social media like following those are the guys that get the sponsorships from like uh gym shark and alpha elite you know like the, the million dollar salaries and so that's uh that's only good for the sport you know like the, the more people that we can get into the, the sport, the better. Because the, the more eyes that you get on the sport, the more, the more sponsors that are going to start getting involved, which means the prize money is going to go up, the salaries are going to go up, the competition is going to increase because more people are going to, uh, more people are going to you know, watch and, and try to compete so they can get their share of, of the money. So uh, I think the, the future is bright, not only for, for bodybuilding, but like I said, the health and fitness industry as a, as a whole. I think within the next 10 years, I think it'll be, uh, I, I think it'll be bigger than we can really comprehend. That's where the world needs to be headed at this point, because where it's been headed the last 10 years has been worse yeah. than it's ever been before. So if we can keep it on the up and up and there's people like us who are this passionate about the topic, trying to reach out to others the like, best that we can and trying to affect life. Yeah, that's, man, 100%. That's all we can Just do. Uh, like, like I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the show, like something is better than nothing. And I think the more that we can, the, the more people that get eyes on our, on our side of our lifestyle, you know, I think the, it's inevitable. The more, the more people that get eyes on it and are inspired to follow it, then the more people actually will. And that will uh, obviously trickle down and <laughs> hopefully make the world a better place, you know, but it's hard to, hard to tell, hard to predict the future. If you got a couple minutes, I'd like to ask you some questions, man. If, if you got a second, I just, I, I listened to your episode about the, the Olympic training center. And then I obviously saw that you were posting about the, the Olympic training center, man. Like how fucking cool was that? And, and I want to know, like, how did you, how did you like get that opportunity to, to go there? Or is it like a place that you can just kind of, anyone can go there or is it kind of like a private training type of type of place? 
I had to go through the whole application process or whatever, and they ended up getting back to me that they're taking us and a handful of people out there. So we had to go through like this whole onboarding process of like getting access to get in and it, it, it was a process because yeah. they just don't let anyone in there. So it's just like what made it even cooler of like, wow, I got the opportunity to go there. And what was cool about it is it was called the Team USA Coaches Symposium. So there was like coaches from all over and walks of life. So some of the people I met there was a, it was a physical therapist slash like exercise physiologist from the Golden State Warriors. And he wow. also works for Team USA. And he was there. We exchanged information. We've been messaging back and forth here and there. And then also, he's the registered dietitian wow. for the Washington Redskins. And now he just moved over, and he's now the registered mm-hmm. dietitian for Team USA. So yeah. these are just some of the people that were there. I felt so honored to be able to go there and, like, change contact information with these people, get to know them. Now they know my name. And just got to hang out and yeah, man. learn about them for a whole week. Live on campus. Man, that's like, uh, train with that's literally, like, you can't. You can't possibly think of like a better, I mean, like, at least for me, you, you can't possibly think better. Like you literally won in all aspects of that trip. Like you got to, you got to experience something that not many people get to do. You got, you like, you got to meet the cream of the crop, like people who are walking the walk every day. Um, you got to exchange information with them. So like you got to experience these things, you got to learn these things, you got to, network with people so like you know as you get out of school and stuff as as things go forward like you you literally won in all aspects of that of that trip like that's that's i I would have done the same thing you know like that would have been absolutely awesome um i I want obviously like i don't i don't know if there are many secrets but what i i think a place like that like if you if you hear like that you're you know you're going to the olympic training center like the initial reaction is like the best athletes in the world, like, you know, train out of, out of this place. Like it almost, that place starts to almost get like a, a mystique around it. Like they have secret stuff in there that nobody has and like all of this kind of stuff. But what I, what I would assume, and and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, is that like the reason why that place breeds so many amazing athletes is because the environment for success is like, when you're in that environment, it completely engulfs you and takes you over. And you almost feel like you have like no choice but to succeed. You know, Does, is that about right? And the, you're, you're exactly right. But there's no way to put it into words other than like you just have to walk around campus, see the way right. the people talk the talk and the way they walk the walk. Once you see that, it literally rubs yeah. right off on you. Yeah, you no, that's... Live a life just like they're living. And, and, like, you're thinking, like, wow, th- these guys are, like, the Michael Jordans yeah. and the LeBron James of the world. But they're really not. When you when you go there, you realize that they're just like me and you. It's just they have yeah. a passion for what they're doing, and the excellence is rubbing off on them. And they're willing to put in just the extra 1% yeah, that no one that's, else wants uh, to do. I, I tell you, like, that's... The, the reason why I know that is because, like, there's, there's actually, like, similar places like that in the... Uh, in the bodybuilding industry, like there's, there's a place, um, it's actually in Kuwait as, as crazy as that sounds like for whatever reason, the, the people in the middle East love bodybuilding. And there's like this, this oil mogul who has, you know, lives around Dubai, who has more money than we could ever fathom in our entire life. 
but he has built like state-of-the-art gyms with like state-of-the-art equipment and everything and he owns like a bunch of apartment complexes like next excuse me next to the gyms and like what is happening is clients that live in Dubai or you know the Middle East or Kuwait or and even recently the the guy who won the Mr. Olympia um not this this past year um well actually it it was it was Brandon Curry uh won the Mr. Olympia this past year pretty much the, the owner contacts people and says like I want you to come and train out of Oxygen Gym and you know he he pays for them to come over he pays for their apartment like so that they're pretty much flown halfway across the world to go and like train out of Oxygen Gym and obviously Oxygen Gym is like they're producing some of the best bodybuilders in the world like people are coming out of this gym and they're like people are putting on like 15 pounds of muscle in a year like they compete in 2018 and then they compete in 2019 and they're they're 15 pounds heavier and like wow. you know like which is for people who are unaware of bodybuilding that's an unbelievably immense amount of muscle growth in in that short amount of time um but like that that place started to develop a certain like mystique around it you know like people are going over to oxygen and like Oxygen has equipment that no one else has and Oxygen has drugs that no one else has. When in reality there's been a bunch of people that have gone to Oxygen and they've come back and they've been interviewed and they've been like, you know, like why have you made so much progress when you go over to Oxygen like all are all of these crazy rumors true? And they're like, "No, man, like we literally wake up, train and then the rest of the day our food is delivered to us it's already measured all we have to do is put it in the microwave and eat it he provides us like you know video games and stuff to keep ourselves busy like we we get to take extra naps and stuff so we're more properly recovered and it just turns out that like going into this place it forces you to give everything that you have to the sport and when you give everything that you have to the sport like you can make even at that level the highest level where they're advanced you know the, the more advanced you get in your career the the harder it is to make changes even these guys that are advanced are making immense changes in a short amount of time because the environment of that place is like it forces them to give everything they have to the sport and so, so there are some guys like at, in all sports that have just even though they're at the top level they've still never fully given it 100%. They're just genetically blessed and that's how they've made it to the top is because they just have amazing genetics uh but now for the first time they're kind of being forced to give everything that they have to uh to a sport and they make unbelievable changes. So that's uh, I mean it's it's pretty similar to kind of what you what you stated there. And then um I know you probably got to get going want to wrap this up, but my last question is you are Are you still in prep for your for your meet or is has that been canceled? Yeah, the whole coronavirus thing going on. Basically everything this spring is just wiped out and postponed or canceled. Yeah. So, it was supposed at Northern, which was going to be like the greatest way to get into it. Mm-hmm. Our building, our kinesiology building, we were going to have it down in our gym. So, I was like, this is my home ground. It's like I have like home field advantage yeah. for this. Like this is going to be great. So I basically had been laying out a program for probably the last four or five months. I'd known about it since like December and I'd like like been testing my foot in the water like hitting some lifts and stuff. I'm like, "Eh, do I really want to do this? Do I not?" 
lessons. My, my numbers started going up pretty yeah. quick because I had, had never really focused on like that as a sport. So as I started mm-hmm. seeing some numbers come up, I'm like, yeah, I could be pretty competitive in this if I want. So then I just sat down and like periodized a training plan for myself to like meet for that day. And then all this started going on and just like it went rad. Yeah. And like and now like the whole United States is in like, yeah, I know. They have it postponed yeah. for now, so I know it's going to be rescheduled. Yeah. I just don't know for when. It seems like everything else that's kind of getting rescheduled or postponed for right now is getting put mm-hmm. off to like July or August. So I'm looking at probably like the end of a summer type of program. So right now I'm in the process of just like kind of taking a few days off here and there and just kind of yeah getting my body back <laughs> away. Dude, you're a preacher of the choir, right but uh, I was. Uh... I was I was gonna ask like how was your I, I think the thing that I learned the I learned more about the sport and I you know work with more people as they're and you know talk to more competitors is like how as you know as as the weeks okay so let, let me ask this question first like how many weeks were you training before it was it like how many weeks were you in prep before it was announced that like it got postponed like I, how long no, have, have I been yeah, training like specifically how, for from, that? From the day that you decided, like, yeah, I'm gonna start training for this for this meet to the time like where it was officially announced that it was postponed. Like, how how long was that time gap? I was probably right at around twelve weeks of just like actual hard training of like this is yeah. exactly like. So how was uh, how was like your mentality? Before, like, I that time didn't frame? actually have a sport. Yeah, like, because I think, I think that's one of the things, like, because I'm, I'll I'll tell you why. So I, two or three years ago, like I I mentioned next year, I'm going to be doing my first, my first show, my first competition. Uh, But I actually dieted, I dieted down for a show, uh, like three years ago, uh, three or four years ago, like I had said, I'm going to do a show. And like, I, I went through the prep. And I got to the point where I was probably like four weeks out of the prep and I realized that like the prep wasn't going to go very well for me. Like I I had very, very little muscle. I would have gotten like absolutely stomped. Um, But the reason why I asked what your mentality was is because, and you'll probably be able to attest to this because you have probably played sports as long as I have. Your mentality, like during those training sessions, when you know that there's a competition coming up and that day is getting closer and closer and closer, those are some of the best like emotional training sessions of your life. Like, can you, can you attest to that? Like, I don't know, man, when I, when like I'm in prep, like I go into the gym and I am like, I I literally look like a, probably look like a serial killer. Like I'm just absolutely laser beam focused on what I'm doing. Um, and I mean, like I haven't, I haven't dieted in like three years and it'll be another year until where I'm dieting. So obviously when I go into the gym every day, like I have a goal and I'm still very motivated, but I don't, I feel like I don't have that emotional drive, that extra gear, that extra gear kicks on when I know competition's getting close. Like it's time to, you know, put the pedal to the floor. Right. And it's like. The, the sport I've always been interested in mm-hmm. is I've always been like CrossFit style athlete. It's just it's just been there's a huge variety of everything you can do. So it just kind of keeps me on my toes. It's just I can always yeah. change things up and I never get bored. But I've been doing it for probably going on five or more years of being competitive and yeah. doing competitions and stuff that I wasn't getting burnt out. But I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be nice to do something else. 
So for like, I started last June. So it's probably going on eight or so months ago. I started this program. It's called the 20 rep squat program. And I basically had not made it up myself because there's some basis behind it, but I kind of put my own tune to it. And I just start off one week. I started off at 135 and I do my normal squat workout. I'd hit 20 reps of 135 yeah. at the end and just be done. Next time I come and do leg day, I throw on 140, do 20 reps, be done. And over the course of from early June until the end of the year, so about six months, I went from 135 wow. to a hit. That's incredible, dude. 20. Yeah. And so I had just seen yeah. my numbers go through the roof of everything, not even just squat. And then I started to realize, like, if I like translated that into another sport, mm-hmm. I could have a lot of fun, or I could just really switch things up in my training program and have a whole new fire, like, and yeah. just passion for something else. And then one of my professors at school, he's also, he was a coach at okay. one of the barbell clubs in DeKalb. I've been going there every so often, just kind of, he's just been teaching me the lifts and stuff. And I realized like for being an, complete amateur in the sport not ever doing one, like a single competition my numbers are up there with some mm-hmm. of the people who are like winning competitions so I was like okay so now if I actually like focus on this put some technique in there I yeah. I'd really like to see where this could take me so I went up there and just kind of got some cues like some training techniques and some advice from him so I could like periodize something out so from like the whole month of December into like some of January, I was thinking like, am I really wanting to do this? Like, let's, let's see how this goes. I was going up there and learning some stuff from him. And I was like, yeah, this is going pretty well. Like, I think I want to try this. So I signed up for the competition and just really started going hard at it. And the more and more that I was training, like it wasn't even that I was getting stronger. It was just getting used to being in positions and getting like my neuromuscular system, just adapting to finally doing something new. So so my body was just really getting used to it and I was just seeing some numbers go up and I was like getting real excited. And just like the more and more that I, I was getting closer and closer to it, I just saw like, hey, my numbers are even getting like better than the goals I was setting. My opening numbers were gonna be what I was probably gonna hit for my maxes when I first was like thinking about this in December. And I was like getting real excited. And then as this <laughs> coronavirus thing started going on, I just started to realize real soon that like when they started canceling schools and stuff, I was like, yeah especially because they closed down NIU before they ever closed down the meet. And I knew the meet was at NIU and I was like, yeah, yeah. so I know this is probably going to be done. But that's, it's kind of good though. Yeah. Now it gives me some time to taper off for a little bit, kind of have my body recover so I can go back into it even stronger, have yeah. another training cycle through It's before I hit my first meet. So now, I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to be better than it would have been. If yeah, I but it, it probably will April be. Before. You know? But who knows? I could even, yeah, like, I could it even probably have a lot more. I'm, I'm literally like in, there was so much that you said that I was like, holy shit. It's like, I'm looking in the mirror right now. Like my, uh, so I, I don't want to get sidetracked on this cause we've been on plenty long, but like the, the, what you described, the, where you started with your squat, you know, 135, and then every week you just go in and you put on five pounds. That's, that's literally how I train. Like I, I, I train, um, you know, I, I do a set with a certain weight and I get as many reps as I can. And then when I go in that next week, I look back at what I did the week previous and say I did, I don't know, 200 for 10. 
like today I either have to get 200 for 11 or more, or I have to get 205 for 10. Like this week has to be an improvement from last week somehow. And when you start to string that together for months and months and months and months on end, like I, I'm old school. I write my stuff in a logbook, like a physical notebook. And I, I, I keep the notebooks. Like I could go open up my bedroom drawer right now. And I've got three of like lifting notebooks that are full. And it, it's crazy to like open my notebook now and then be like, ah, oh, you know, this lift 500 for 10 reps and then go back to like last year. And it's like 330 for eight reps. And you're like, man, I put 170 pounds and two reps. Like on this lift and my form is better like that. I think that's the thing that keeps me coming back to the gym every day is like, literally I'm addicted to that, that progress. Like that's the thing that is, it just keeps me coming back. And, that, and that's what you have to have in a training program to keep things exciting, to keep you coming in the gym and to keep you seeing progress. Cause I guarantee you, you see the same people in the gym for the last two, three years you've been in there nope. and they don't look a single no, bit. You different are than so, you are so ago. right, dude. Like, you you have to love that you have to love that part of the training like i mean i i could look back in one of my books but i i almost promise you that like the the back workout that i was doing three years ago is very similar to the same back workout that i'm doing now it's just like i'm doing more weight for more reps and like the reality of training is especially when you're training on like a program that like you and I follow like a periodized program with strict guidelines and you have to take like solace in the fact that you're getting better at those things and that's what you need to be like that's what you need to put your how, how do you base if a training program is good the fact that you're progressing it and that you're getting better not the fact that you go in the gym and you necessarily like have a good time exercising now like on the flip side for someone who's like a gen pop client go in the gym and have fun like whatever's going to keep you coming back but when you start to get into the, the competition side uh the reality is is that this stuff is very monotonous and you're doing the same thing every day and you have to love the fact that you're doing the same thing every day and improving at it or you, you're going to fizzle out so fast like you you will not last long in the sport at all or any any strength sport like that you will not last and you have to be smart on it too you can't just go into the gym yeah. and crush yourself because yep. there's diminishing returns you can have too much volume and too much intensity at the same time and just wreck your body to where you're just going to fizzle out right like way too quick and then you also have to be in the same aspect of like you have to be able to be monotonous and doing the same things day in and day out while having progression and both in your nutrition because there's not too many things like yeah i could give you a huge list of like things you could mix up a nutritious diet and a healthy diet where you can keep things simple easy but still have like a whole wide range of yeah. things you're going to eat but it's still going to be very monotonous for a lot of people who think they have that sweet tooth or need to have their pop with their like meals it's like you don't need that stuff if but if they see the way i eat or they see the way you eat I'm going to be like, I couldn't do that day in and day <laughs> the, out for uh, my life. And, that, and that's just the difference in, like, basically just trying to be a healthy individual in the gym and what's going to set yourself or myself apart from just all those people and trying to be, like, competitors and have that edge yeah, over everyone else. I mean, that's, that's the competition thing, but even with the uh... – even with the um, going going to Gen Pop, because like I'm, I assume you have a lot of Gen Pop listeners too. Like you're you're talking about like they can't, you know, people can't. 
your diet's going to be boring and monotonous either way. Like, but that's, you know, that, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think there are certain people that they, they put too much like emotion and emotional value in the food that they're eating. And I think that's why they have a hard time getting rid of the, of the sugary stuff because they eat the sugary stuff and it, you know, it, it makes them feel good or whatever. Like, I, I think that you're, if you really want to make a, not just, you know, I, you know, we tend to focus on competitors, but if you're just a general population person and you just want to make some, some small changes, like food should not be an emotional thing. Like food is a thing that you have to eat to, to keep your body healthy. It's your body is a car and the food is your gas, your gasoline, like in your oil, like it's not an emotional thing that you should be, you know, like, eat, I don't know, eating a Snickers bar shouldn't make you feel happier than eating a an apple like you know what i mean like i i know that's kind of hard for some people to understand that's why my favorite saying is you eat to live not live to eat a lot of people live to eat and they just like can't wait for that next meal because it's just like that's what they like have to like have to make them happy or they can't wait to have that snack because it tastes no you're you're 100 right that's what you're like using to fuel your body 100 percent, dude like if you fuel your body correctly, you won't have those cravings because usually when you crave something, it's because you're deficient in just something in your body and your body's like craving something because it needs it in its body. And usually those cravings come in a mm-hmm. bad form of food. No, absolutely. You're, you're a hundred percent right. So is there any no, other questions I, you got for me? I'm, I'm sure here to I could probably think of some and, and talk for a long time. I think it, uh, I think it may be best to wrap this one up and then. I don't know. We can always do another one a different day or something. We can anything where I can reach more people than yeah, anything where I can reach people that I haven't reached yet and just talk about the things that I love and, and anything like that. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent anytime. So. And then that's exactly why I created this podcast. It's like, this is the most fun thing that I can do in the easiest way. Like I can get myself out there kind of like just use my, knowledge and my like nerdiness for science and health and just like throw it out there for people in an easy way for them to just like listen to it on the way to work or just like listen to it like yeah, anywhere absolutely like, man. that's just like why no, it it's so it much is. fun to do this it's, it's a ton of fun by all means man like i love doing this this is like my favorite thing to do is like do this podcast so if at any time like you have any topics you want to talk about and like you just want to like throw ideas off of me we can always come back on here and just talk about anything in the world because i know just like me you have so many topics in your head that you could talk hours and hours on and that's just stuff like we want to get out to people to show them like how passionate we are because people just feed on to being passionate no absolutely when when people see someone's passion makes them like want to be passionate about it too so if like we're able to go out there and talk about topics that we're passionate about and try to get other people on board, that's only going to make us and the world and those people that much better and that much like healthier. No, I, I 100% agree, man. Anything that we can do to anything we can do to reach more, I'm reach more people. I'm in 100%. Yeah, well, I think this is where we should just probably wrap this up today. Yeah, probably a good idea. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll be talking here for a long we'll time. We'll just keep going on for hours. Yeah, right. It'll be a long time till we get out of here. Well, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on the podcast and just give your views on this just ever-changing field. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then again, I, I appreciate you having me on. Like, any uh, anything that I can do to, 
to help with the podcast or whatever, just uh, let me know. I, I got a lot of support for the kind of stuff you're doing here, man. Like it takes it takes special kind of people because I mean, look, there's there's probably just as many people out there in the world that have the same things that that we have to say and or they may have a different viewpoint, but it, it takes the people who are willing to, to put it out there to to make the change. So I, I you have all the respect in the world for me for for starting your own thing. And and I, I mean, I wish you the best. And the same goes for you. That's like why I just really wanted to get you on this podcast. Like I see what you've been doing. And like, I'm just so supportive of like everything you've been doing and just like listening to some things you have to say. I'm like, man, this guy is like reading my mind with what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh great minds thing alike or something like that. Right. Let's pat ourselves on the back here. Right. And that's why I just wanted to bring you on here. So like all my, all my listeners can like listen into what you have to say too, and they can learn more about you. No, I appreciate that a lot. I hope that everyone goes and yep. looks you up and just see what you're doing because you're just a really smart dude and you have some great advice out there that's just free yeah. people need no, to take absolutely. advantage of that yeah I, again I appreciate that a lot so uh, anything that I can do whether that's I mean if there's anybody that's listening that even, even if it's a question like I, I promise there's no question like too 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 dumb or too basic like either me and I, I know for a fact that Jeff would be able to help with, with answering too like if, if you have questions like reach out to somebody and get an answer and so that you can kind of formulate how you're going to go forward from there because like like i said at the very beginning of the of the episode i think there's a lot of people who they just they know that they need to make a change but they're not necessarily sure where to start and so as the quicker that you can kind of get your questions answered and the quicker that you can lay out your plan so that you can get started the the better okay yeah all right man cool so again just Thanks, Caden, for being this week's guest, and thanks to all the listeners for tuning in and listening to what we both have to say.